Hey everybody, this is Chris, and I'm really glad to be with you here on this Ash Wednesday. Throughout the season of Lent, we are going to be posting a weekly biblical reflection just to give you some tracks to run on, some things to think about from the scripture as we navigate this Lenten journey together. Uh, I'm going to read from Luke 18, beginning in verse 9, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll just share a few things here as we uh, enter into this period of Lent. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's, let's pray. Father, here at the beginning of this Lenten journey, we ask you for grace to look into the scripture Lord, maybe the better way to put it, uh, Lord, is we ask that this scripture would look into us, that you would uh, look at us, our hearts, and that you would help form us and shape us into your image, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this story that Jesus tells, I think, is actually a really fitting way for us to begin our Lenten journey. Um, we said on the Primer podcast that Lent is a period of wilderness wandering that leads us up to Easter time, and 46 days from now we'll be celebrating the resurrection. But in order to truly be prepared or ready for the new life that Jesus brings in the resurrection of Easter, we have to actually come into touch with our neediness, our vulnerability. And this story actually, I think, sets that up, sets up this journey beautifully, uh, brilliantly. There are a few things that I want to put before you to, to consider as we um, hold God's word together. The first one is the, the text tells us very plainly at the beginning that this parable is intended for those who trust in themselves. So I just want to say this parable is for us. It's for you. It's for me. It's for those of us who... Um, live sometimes under the illusion that we can trust in our own resources. Lately, I've been uh, facing some major dilemmas in my own life, and it's so tempting to look to my own resources to try to solve it. I'm sure you're the same. And so at the very beginning of this short parable, we are essentially told this is a story for you, for me. This is a story for those of us who are tempted to believe that we should trust in ourselves and here's the story that Jesus tells. He tells us the story of two men going up to the temple to pray. And this is where our own understanding of church in the modern world maybe is uh, creates some confusion or some fuzziness. Um, we imagine people walking into an open temple and, and engaging in kind of like private prayer or confession, and that that's not what's happening. They were basically attending a daily worship service. They were attending a service where people would have come, all kinds of people would have come to, to worship in the temple. Um, they were at a public worship service. And both men pray. 
Uh, Number one, the Pharisee compares himself to others in his prayer in an effort to feel powerful and secure. And, you know, before I just throw this Pharisee under the bus, I I just have to admit that that I'm sure we're all tempted to live our lives uh, comparing ourselves to the people around us. Well, I'm a little better than her. Mm, not, Not quite as good as him. Well, this Pharisee, um, he just was saying what he was thinking. Uh, He's a disciplined social elite. He possesses power, culture. He's pure. Uh, Purity is very important for him. The the text tells us that he's standing um, in a place by himself with purity. um, And he begins to pray, um, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these bad people around me. Now, it was totally appropriate in the time of Jesus to to pray aloud, Um, but prayer would have typically in the Jewish world followed three movements, confession, thanksgiving, and petition. This is a good pattern for you to follow in your own praying. But what this guy does, he says, God, I just thank you that I'm not like all these other people. And he begins to name people. Now, what you're meant to imagine is that there were probably some thieves and rogues, adulterers. And then specifically, he references, or like this tax collector, um, he's like, I thank you, God, that I'm not like these people. Now, you probably would not pray aloud at a prayer meeting, some sort of ugly comparison prayer. But how often do we think things like this in our own hearts and our own heads where we we imagine, you know, I may not be the best husband in the world, but at least I'm not like so-and-so or such-and-such. What we see in this story is Jesus is telling us a story about someone who verbalizes in a really ugly way the stuff that lives inside lots of our hearts. He's just putting language to it so that we can actually like hear it with our own ears. And I oftentimes think, you know, if I could hear with my own ears the thoughts that I sometimes have, it probably would bring a level of sobriety to me. It would make me stop and think. Well, that's what we see in this text. He basically preaches a sermon as he prays. He gives unsolicited moral advice. So he compares himself and then he begins to say, I fast twice a week. I tithe. I do all these great things, things that make me better. Y'all, there is a real danger when we live our lives comparing ourselves to other people. One of my favorite um, scholars, his name is Kenneth Bailey, kind of like a Bailey's amazing. He lived in Palestine for 40 years. He's like a theological anthropologist. So he understands the culture of Israel and he's a biblical scholar. This is what he says. Rather than comparing himself to God's expectations of him, he compares himself to other people. But y'all, the challenge with that is that the knife cuts both ways. We sometimes compare ourselves and feel superior, but you can also compare yourself and feel like a failure. Um, if we live in a world of comparison, we're always going to be winning or losing. And maybe some of you listening to me, maybe you enter this Lenten journey feeling like you're always winning or you're always losing. Everything is a, is a comparison or a competition. I believe the Lord wants us to look at that and begin to, to repent. I believe he wants us to, to do our best maybe over the next 46 days to forsake a life of comparison. Y'all, comparison just wears us out. Um, And when we verbalize competitive spirit, it's ugly. Uh, It's not God's best for us. But our world, the the world around us, pushes us toward comparison. It it drives us to, to see our worth 
relative to other people versus what God wants for us or longs for us. So the Pharisee. We also see the tax collector pray. Now, this guy recognizes his neediness and he looks to God for help. Um, the, the Pharisee stands apart, the text says, because he wants to be clean and superior. The tax collector also stands apart, but it's because he recognizes his own defiled status. So do you see the Pharisee is standing apart because he wants to be better than others, but this tax collector is not even sure that he really belongs. Here's what we need to know about this tax collector. He's wealthy. But his money has come at a cost to his reputation. He's, he's hated by his fellow Jews. He's viewed as an unclean man, a, a tainted or tarnished person. He's got some baggage with him as he enters the, the house of God. But he's actually come into the house of God to work on his life with God. He's not come to, um, to brag for sure, but he's also not allowed his sin and broken state to keep him from moving toward the Lord. He moves toward God rather than away. And some of you may be right there right now. We have to always probably occasionally as we walk through life, ask the question, am I going to allow my sin to keep me in the shadows or am I going to move toward God even in my brokenness? What we see here, and this is y'all, the picture of the Lenten journey, moving toward God as we acknowledge our brokenness and our neediness. And this is what he prays. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The text tells us, Jesus tells us that he beats his chest as he t- says those words. He, he's aware of his brokenness. He's aware of his sinfulness. He's aware that he has missed the mark. I mean, that's what the word sin means, to, to miss the mark. And as a result, he asks for God to be merciful to him. And the word here in the text for mercy is a really unusual word. It's actually not the typical word used in the New Testament for mercy, The word means in in the Greek to make an atonement. He's actually asking God, would you do something for me to reconcile me to yourself? So he just says to God, "I, I can't fix this. Would you do something for me? Would you make an atonement for me? Y'all, as we enter this Lenten season, my prayer for, for myself is that God would make an atonement for me, that he would do for me what I cannot do on my own. I pray the same thing for you. We're going to be gathering at, at Trinity on Ash Wednesday to, to mark the sign of a, an ashen cross on our foreheads. And that ashen cross reminds us that we came from dust and we will return to dust, that we're made of fragile stuff. It also reminds us that our world is dark that there's a lot of brokenness around us and in us. And my prayer for us as we walk through this Lenten journey is that we would acknowledge the brokenness inside of us and we would ask God to make an atonement for us. Father, I pray for my friends and I ask for your protection. I pray that you would give us everything we need to acknowledge our neediness. I pray that you would meet us in this period of wilderness wandering, God. I pray that you would lead us into the desert and that you would speak tenderly, that you would be kind to us, that you would meet us in our cry for mercy by extending mercy to us. So here's what I want to leave you with. Where do you need God's mercy? Where do you need God to be kind to you? Where is he asking you to acknowledge your neediness and ask him for mercy? It is his desire to give you the mercy 
that is in his heart. God bless you. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.